Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's after game week seven, and we're back in Blighty to bring you a look at the big issue dominating FPL at the moment, as four into three won't go. On a week where Kane staked a claim, Salah tried harder than I did to pronounce that correctly, but failed. Has shone and couldn't got his goal. We're here to look at budget and how this impacts FPL managers as they try to fit in the fantastic four. Nick, how are you? How was your holiday? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Tom. Um, really nice holiday. Great to um, go away with Moses on his first trip away. It was in Cyprus. It was a really nice place. Definitely recommend um, to our listeners to have a visit at some point if they get the chance. But yeah, we're both back now in the UK. Um, looking forward to today's episode. It's, it's another live one as the Bournemouth and Palace game comes to its conclusion. But um, we, I think we know what we're scoring, regardless of whether sort of Ryan Fraser or uh, Wambasaka score a last-minute goal. We'll, we'll have to see. But uh, just to say quickly who we are, of course, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and use Spotify, SoundCloud or whatever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So as I've mentioned, today we're delving into the Fantastic Four, the premium assets which are Kun, Kane, Haz and Salah, and looking at the pros and cons of their inclusion in our squads for examining stats and context. Uh, then we'll catch up on the features and then obviously move on to our questions from you guys. Sounds great. And thanks for the questions, as always, guys. So let's start with the game week reviews. How did you get on, Tom? Uh, not too terribly. I mean, if you uh, go with the Jay Eggersdorf, 50 is a decent game week, 60 is a very good game week. I end up with, I think it's 58, uh, 62 minus four. Brought in Richarlison and brought in Doherty. Instead, I was thinking of um, bringing Son in for a little while and taking Walker out. Very glad I didn't do that. Um, I did, you know, Richarlison's there for the long term. The Doherty, that 12 points, um, that last minute assist that, that nabbed him all three bonus really was a bit of a saving grace this week with Conaguero. Just getting the eight points. And uh, yeah, Ryan Fraser, it doesn't look like he's going to be recording any points today. Uh, so yeah, 62, not too bad. Another green arrow, another kind of steady progress upwards. What about you? So yeah, I did really well actually this game week. Um, scored seventy one points. You know, Rambus Hackers on two, Fraser's on two, so that could become seventy if Bournemouth score again, or 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 something higher if if one of those guys somehow gets a return in the next ten or so minutes, which is probably unlikely. So yeah, seventy one points. Really happy with that. Another green arrow now up to top two hundred k as well. So it's onwards and upwards. Particularly happy with the defence, I guess. I mean. I had double walls, 10 points from Rui Patricio and 12 from Doherty. So that was like 22 points. Oh, mental, mental. Brilliant. Also got an 11-pointer from Kieran Trippier, who got an assist in the clean sheet. 10 points from Hazard and sort of the standard 8 times 2 from uh, Captain Aguero. So yeah, uh, pretty decent. Okay, great. So let's move on to our uh, our discussion this week, which is about the Fantastic Four. So there's great posts on Fantastic Football Scout about this. Uh, Stoich Cobb uh, did a recent hot topic on this and also a little chat on uh, Twitter and social media. Peter Blake mentioned this too, and he did the statistical analysis of um, the opponents that these guys have all faced, and he found that Kun and Slara both underperformed and that uh, Hazard had overperformed. And let's start by saying this is all being compared in a vacuum. We, of course, don't have infinite transfers unless you're on a wild card, and we appreciate that all teams are different. This isn't a closed discussion, and invariably we are going to make this relevant to our teams because that's the way we look at it. This pod is a way of documenting the claims of all of our Fantastic Four to fit into your sides, and this is for you to judge who best fits your team and your current circumstances. Please remember there's no right and wrong, and there's just interpretation which informs what we're saying, and your interpretation may be different, but so be it. It's obviously about the thing, Harry Kane, the human torch, most of our Mr. Fantastic and Aguero and the invisible, well, man, Eden Hazard. And I, I guess first, Nick, you, you've prepared a little bit of a look at value, haven't you? And how kind of budget impacts how we can only fit three out of four of these guys into our teams. Yeah. So at the start of the season, you have £100 million to, to spend on players. However, if you actually look at it on a larger scale, it's only really £36 million pounds that you've got to spend 
and I know that might sound a little bit confusing to people when I say only 36 million, but I'll, I'll go into further detail here. To elaborate, you're forced to spend a minimum of 28 million on goalkeepers and defenders because the cheapest value is 4 million. So you have seven um, defenders and goalkeepers in total, five defenders, two goalkeepers, and each one has to be a minimum of four million. So that's £28 million of your budget just eaten up straight away. You're also forced to spend £36 million on your midfielders and forwards, where the cheapest value that you can spend is £4.5 million. So that leaves you £36 million in total. And at the start of the season, therefore, if you wanted to own Salah, Kane, Kuhn and Hazard, of your £36 million, uh, Salah would have costed you... 8.5 million, Kane 8 million, Kun 6.5 million, and Hazard 6 million. And that would leave you only £7 million left to spend on bolstering the rest of your 11 players. Of course, in this scenario, if you were savvy, the likes of Wambasaka or Bennett would have cost you nothing at all. But it would really be a case of stretching those pennies. If you want to fit in Alonso, Robertson, and Anatovich, that would be your entire budget gone. And you'll have a remaining team of 4.5 million midfielders and 4.0 goalkeepers. Later on in the season, and if you're wildcarding now, for instance, it is possible to fit them all together again. And I did look at a few permutations in my own team. There are potential ways to shrink that budget. You could be plumping for the likes of Hoiberg for 4.4 or even a non-player like Punchin. Sit on your bench and stretch that budget by an extra 0.1 or 0.2. You may also have a little bit of cash in the bank by selling the likes of Mendy. And you can capitalise on Salah's cheaper 12.9 price if you don't own him. However, on the other side, if you don't own Hazard, you now have to pay 11.1 million for him. So he's risen by 0.6 since the start of the season, making him even more expensive. And Kun is now 11.4. And that would be an extra sort of untenable um, amount of money to spend if you didn't have those guys. For me, I think the strategy to own all four, I did have a look at see if it's possible. It really isn't. Mitrovic would become Kane, but to fund it, I'd require a hit where David Silva would become Phil Billing and Phil Billing would have to probably start and Robertson would have to become a 4.5 million defender, the likes of Yedlin or Steve Cook. So to lose like David Silva, Robertson and Mitrovic just for Kane, it, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's the reality is if you want all four, you'll have to cripple the rest of your team. Yeah, absolutely. What's pretty groovy about that analysis is that you can effectively spend zero. So you're basically with Wan-Bissaka, you are spending zero million if you think about the fact that you have to spend that four anyway. So there is, in fact, a way of spending nothing and that being good value, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there's there's like that. Like I said, yeah, Bennett and uh, Wan-Bissaka would cost you zero at all. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I like that analysis. So, so then we basically come into the fact that how are we going to spend that 36 million? How are we going to fit everybody in? As you've just mentioned, it's, it's very, very difficult to do. There's a squeeze and you can only fit in of these very high ticket, high ticket, high value players free without crippling your team. That probably leads us to be looking at kind of the key lads at the moment who are, as I mentioned, Kane, uh, Salah, Kun and Hazard. Uh, the first one, Nick, is probably the thing, Harry Kane. He's a big brute with a tender touch, isn't he? Uh, and he's uh, recently re-entered the zeitgeist uh, through the brace against Huddersfield and you know, with the very, very juicy looking Cardiff fixture next. There's a lot of arguments for and against Harry Kane. Equally, in recent history, he's one of the greats of FPL and, you know, his claim uh, to be in your team is, is, is always there. The, many people have actually transferred him in already. He's in a price rise to uh, back up to 12.5, which was the beginning price. You've been having a look at Kane, haven't you, Nick? What, what can you tell me about him and uh, what are your views on him so far? Yeah, I'm actually thinking about um, transferring in Harry Kane. I think he's uh, he's obviously had a, a little bit of a slow start um, to the season. Um, you know, I think not many of us owned him at the start of the season. But I think um, after that brace against Huddersfield, as you said, the, the wagon is, is is picking up now and then people are starting to to transfer him in. I'm, I mean, I'm actually thinking about transferring him in as well for this plum home game against Cardiff. It's a, it's a game where Manchester City play Liverpool. So the usual captaincy picks um, aren't really options. So Hazard, um, who's playing Southampton, or you've got Kane against Cardiff. The Cardiff have actually conceded 41 shots on target so far this season, which is the fourth highest in the league. And they've conceded 16 goals, which is joint highest alongside Fulham and Huddersfield. Kane's um, scored five goals, but two of them have been penalties. So 
he hasn't been as prolific, but um, I think his underlying stats, we, we kind of criticised him a little bit at the start of the season as well, saying the amount of attempts he'd taken was far fewer than many other forwards and midfielders, and and you'd like to see more from him. But now his, his underlying stats are actually improving. He's now had eight big chances, which is an end which is uh, more than any other forward. And he's taken 20 goal attempts, which is the fourth highest for forwards. Um, obviously, with his cost, you would want that to be the highest. And he's still a little bit behind the likes of Aguero. But what you get with Kane is a guaranteed start and 90 minutes. He's only actually missed four minutes of football so far this season compared to Aguero, who's been hooked in five of the seven games so far um, and generally gets hooked around the 65 to 75 minute mark. Yeah, that's one of the big pros of Kane, isn't it? That you're going to get 100% of his time. With Koenig, one of the big kind of drawbacks is that heel injury that seems to be being reported at the moment. The fact that they need to give Jesus game time and the fact that they have the depth of squad Man City to rotate versus Spurs who do not. Uh, so you've basically got 100% of Kane or 66% of Aguero. And I think that that's an interesting thing to look at, especially if you look at kind of the, the legacy of Harry Kane being able to score in any game. I mean, you mentioned that he's uh, he's had the most big chances. He's also joint seconds for shots on target this season right now. But of course, that includes two penalties. I think part of the appeal with Harry Kane at the moment is obviously the immediacy. So we spoke about availability heuristic last week and the fact that you know, we're feeling a little bit differently about Kane than we were two weeks ago uh, because after the Huddersfield game, he's got his brace and now he's got Cardiff coming up. I and mean, what's interesting there, uh, we're looking at Cardiff and thinking, oh, that's a foregone conclusion that he's going to absolutely smash it. His record versus newly promoted clubs in the last kind of few years at home actually isn't that great. Uh, so he scored uh, seven goals and got one assist in, in those 10 games against newly promoted teams at home. Uh, last year, if you remember, against Brighton, he did nothing. Against Huddersfield, he, he got an assist. Against Newcastle, he got a goal. And this year against Fulham, he's gotten one goal. But he's only got 0.7 goals and 0.1 assists over those 10 games against newly promoted sides at home in the past. So it may be, especially without Christian Eriksen, perhaps not being at full fitness that having Harry Kane in for this game despite there being kind of riches on offer if the very upper limit of what happens happens there is cause for healthy skepticism there Nick Uh, what do you think about that is that something that maybe changes your opinion on Harry Kane yeah obviously there's injuries in the Spurs team Ericsson's out um Deli Alley's out and and we know of Ericsson obviously he's, he's like the chief creator within that team but there are other players that will support Kane and you know um, the defenders, the fullbacks, both um, assisted Kane um, in in the Huddersfield game. Trippier, particularly, he's assisted seven goals for Kane in the last um, season and a half. So that's really in return from the fullbacks. And Kane's always on the end of those crosses. I think we, we'd like to see a little bit more in terms of attacking runs. Um, it always seems to be headed goals and penalties that uh, Kane has been scoring. Yeah, I mean, we saw it as well in the, the World Cup where... He didn't really seem like he was on fire, even though he somehow managed to get the golden boot. But I think um, I was watching Match of the Day, actually, and Danny Murphy was um, talking up Kane. He showed that he was um, making a lot of attacking runs as well in that Huddersfield game. He does seem to be discovering his uh, shooting boots. And he always has a rough start of the season, as you know. He was famous from the never scoring in August um, over the past few seasons. Broke that uh, this season. But I think getting his form now, and I think he definitely is um, a decent option. A lot of the reasoning for not bringing Kane in is citing the next few games. So after Spurs have that fantastic fixture against Cardiff, they then go on the run of fixtures, which perhaps isn't the best. So after that Cardiff game, they've got West Ham away after the international break. So Kane will probably be playing for England during that break. And West Ham have uh, solidified a little bit. Obviously got a 0-0 with Chelsea and only can do one against uh, Man United. And they've then got Man City at home, Wolves away, which is by no means an easy fixture. Crystal Palace away and then Chelsea at home. And then they have North London derby before they kind of go on a good run of fits from game week 15 onwards. Uh, between game weeks 15 and uh, 28, they only play Man United of the top uh, six teams uh, last season. And I can see why people are looking at it and thinking, well, this is probably maybe a one-week thing. Like last week, if you're going to do it, like uh, Andy FFS did, he removed uh, Salah and put uh, Kane in, basically. Maybe it is a two-week punt and maybe people who are doing it now are just kind of chasing. Like I'm looking at that fixture and thinking... There is potential there for a, for a blank and I've wasted the minus four. But the other side of it is if he does go berserk, I've got a two-week international break. I've got managers uh, like yourself and those people above me who will have brought in Harry Kane or will own ha- Harry Kane already. There are lots more points there that I won't have. And that's quite scary. It's just the case of whether kind of it's enough for one week. 
and whether Kane will, will in the kind of next fixtures be able to return as Poch can't rotate him effectively. I don't know if Lorente even remembers how to play football. Uh, as a result, I kind of looked into the, his record versus the teams he's about to face on transfer market as well, just to see uh, what kind of record he's got against those guys and see if that can give us any insight. So against West Ham, he scored, he's played nine games and he's got seven goals against. He's got joint second most goals against them. He scored the most against Leicester, uh, obviously. Um, against Man City, he's played six games and got two goals and two assists. Against Wolves, we don't know. Uh, against Palace, he's got eight. He's played eight games, got three goals, two assists. Chelsea, seven games, uh, three goals, two assists. And against Arsenal, he's got seven goals in seven games, uh, equal with West Ham. So back of a fag packet of maths, he's got 22 goals in 37 games against that opposition. And if you bear in mind the fact that he's got Chelsea, Arsenal and, and Man City in that little kind of universe. And that's fairly encouraging, I think, that you're going to see see a player score or at least have a good chance of scoring based on the past record. So, you know, Kim Aguero this year, he's only actually gotten above 10 points in terms of uh, game week score once. Oh, sorry, he's only ever gotten to double figures in terms of game week score once this season, which was against Huddersfield in game week two. Apart from that, you know, he's got goals against Cardiff and Brighton, got two assists against Fulham, got an assist against Newcastle, but he's not really been smashing it. He's just, to some extent, maybe been a bit fortunate that Salah and others haven't really been doing the job. So he getting that kind of drip feed of points has kind of made people think, oh, he's pretty irreplaceable. What do you think about that, Nick? Do you think that if you are bringing Kane in, would you be keeping Kane for that kind of run of fixtures or would you then be looking to kind of swap back to Aguero for, for Burnley uh, after the international break, for example? If I'm going to bring in Kane, he's going to stay for a little while. I mean, you mentioned he's got West Ham. He, he loves a, a London derby, Chelsea and Arsenal as well. He seems to perform in those fixtures, even if the, the numbers don't seem to tally up quite. But yeah, West Ham... Other than Leicester is his second favourite team to play against. So I'm, I'm definitely would be probably keeping him from that West Ham game. I wouldn't switch to uh, switch straight back to Kuhn for the Burnley game. because I've got two free transfers. If I swap Kuhn to Kane, I'd probably be keeping Kane for at least a, a few game weeks. But of course, it always depends on form. If he, um, if he blanks in the Cardiff game, if he looks awful playing for England, I might have to switch him straight out. I don't know. I think I think I want to give him a run in my team. We'll see how they do, of course, in the Barcelona game as well. It's still a little bit early. There's a lot of football still to be played midweek, so I'm not going to be rushing to make any early transfers this game week. I'm going to see what happens with the likes of the City players, um, likes of Salah as well. Obviously, he's playing midweek as well. Um, Hazards, he might be rested for the Europa League, but most of these players are going to be playing in midweek in the Champions League. So we'll, we'll It'll give us an indication of what's going on and we'll be able to make a decision based on that. Oh, wanker. Ryan Fraser was on two bonus and got yellow card last minute. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I haven't made 70 points, which is crap. Dickhead. <laughs> oh, never mind. So at the moment, then, Nick, it sounds like you're, um, you're, you're pretty set on having Harry Kane in. I'm not too sure at the moment. I may well be unable to resist that Cardiff game. But it sounds like there is a, a little bit of an argument to not do it. Like, I want to roll my transfer. And removing Conaguero, I'm still not sure about, uh, about doing that right now because I do want City covering. I do think City are just so good. But it doesn't really matter what their fixtures are. Like the FDR are almost irrelevant to them to some extent. That's my uncertainty there. I mean, I've seen people have also removed Salah, and I don't really want to do that because of Huddersfield and Cardiff coming up. But should we move on to Cunaguero then, Nick? I think. So Cunaguero is Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic is, of course, one of the most intelligent characters in the Marvel Universe. And I'd argue that Cunaguero is maybe one of the most intelligent players in the Premier League. Um, he's adapted his game from an out and out goal scorer to someone who's perhaps a jack of all trades, and actually looks even better now stats-wise. To have a look at this, I compared his first seven appearances this season to game weeks 1 and 7, 20, 14, 15, when he scored 26 goals, his most to date. And what we see is the player has evolved and responded to the challenge of Guardiola. Uh, Guardiola, of course, is a man who doesn't really like strikers. He played Fabregas in a false nine at Barcelona. Um, but Guardiola set him the challenge to become more involved in all areas, and 
it really shows. So his goal scoring record is identical, five goals in seven games. Scored more frequently in 2014-15, a goal every 87 minutes, but that's because he's been taken off. But digging deeper, this is a player who has evolved. He's shooting far more. He's had an attempt every 13.6 minutes this season compared to 17.6 minutes back then. And uh, the key is, though, his the key is though his involvement. He's creating double what he did then. He made 13 big chances and two big chances in the first seven this year versus just five chances created in 2014-15. And he still, as we mentioned earlier, Nick, still got the most attempts and most um, and most shots in the box, 38 attempts, 28 shots in the box, all strikers. And he's second on shots for target with Kane behind Mitrovic and top for minutes per chance. Uh, obviously, the fixtures play a big role here. You're looking at removing Aguero for Kane, aren't you? Uh, what, what is your reasoning behind that? With Aguero and City, the fixtures are starting to stiffen. That run of six games against the, the sorts of six promoted teams that sort of Ben Krellin hyped up um, at the start of the season is now over. Um, they've got a tough fixture coming up against Liverpool, where I wouldn't like to captain one of their players. I wouldn't like to captain Aguero in that game. After that, they've got um, Burnley at home, um, an easy fixture, potential. Um, you know, potential options captain Aguero in that one. But Burnley have had a little bit of a resurgence um, recently and and Joe Hart also is in form and you'd, you'd like to think that he would sort of step up his game to play against this former club and hopefully keep a clean sheet for them. And then after that, they've got another sort of tough fixture against Spurs. And before it gets easier with Southampton and Manchester United, which is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment there. It's a relatively hard run for Manchester City and I just don't know if Aguero is worth it for those runs. Obviously, his, his underlying stats are amazing, as you quoted, Tom, but you have to factor in the case that they have had a good run of fixtures and they have they played essentially Cardiff, Huddersfield, Fulham, all these teams that are struggling um, quite quite badly this season and at the bottom of the league. It is tough. Um, I think the idea of avoiding City it is a bit dangerous. It's a little bit risky. Um, as a team, they've generated 168 goal attempts so far this season, which is far superior than any other side. Like so Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs have 121, 108 and 97, respectively. The fixtures have aided this, as I said, but you know, last season they also topped the numbers with 665 goal attempts over the course of the season, which was a chance every 5.4 minutes. So it's a bit, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a risky move on my part. But I also... There's that rotation risk at Manchester City, which, which always is a constant stress before any game week. You're waiting for those team sheets to be announced and and there'll always be someone saying, oh, no Sterling or or no Silva or no Aguero. It, it happens every game week. I've been stung by David Silva not playing. I've been stung by Rian Mahrez not playing so far this season. And, you know, Aguero has been starting pretty much every game, but he has been subbed off a lot and there is always that threat that Gabriel Jesus is going to be the one that starts, especially with the, the Champions League fixtures and Aguero nursing this foot injury, which is, is being talked about quite heavily. And Jesus is, has been out of form, but there's also Sterling. And I know you want to talk a little bit about Sterling as well, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I also like to live dangerously, Nick. And I, I would be pretty happy to go about Man City and check out of the rotation. It's just the data shows that, that they are absolutely ridiculous. And having a stake in Man City is probably a very good idea. Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, FPL Stag was saying to us, wasn't he, that his, uh, his big undoing last season, well, he did better than me, obviously, but his undoing last season was going about City for a while. I mean, I've, I've got Edison. I'm probably going to have to keep Edison now, to be honest, because I've got other things to deal with. Um, but yeah, I mean, Raheem Sterling is the man who, if there was a Fantastic Four and there was, you know, a fifth Beatle or whatever, he would be that guy. A few people commented on uh, on Raheem Sterling being left out with the Fantastic Four when I put the uh, put up, and this is probably not a shock reveal that he's always been a key part of the discussion for me, especially if you think about the the impact, uh, mitigating the impact of losing Conaguero. He's under the radar. He's not perceived as a premium, and that's possibly made people overlook him to some extent. Uh, people like FPL Rich, for example, have been getting a lot out of him. And the Stag, I think, picked him up in last week. So Stag take on Rotoworld. Raheem has outscored three of the four we're talking about today, save Hazard. And don't forget, he was second only to Salah last season for points. Uh, City have had a great run. That's true. So maybe this is slightly mitigated by that. And it's retrospective to some extent. So hats off to those who have had Raheem Sterling for a while. Worthy of consideration. He's in the top five for attempts amongst midfielders with 18. Third for shots in the box with 30. And he's had more pen box touches than any midfielder, which is five more than most slow, which is pretty incredible because we, we, we always see most slow occupying that top spot. 
his shot accuracy, unlike normal Raheem Sterling, as is the zeitgeist, as is the impression, is over 50% in the minute. So his 55% puts him ahead of Eden Hazard, who has 50, and Mane on 58%. His only worry is XGI, expected goal involvement. So he's been involved in 1.55 more goals than we may expect, uh, whereas Mo Salah has been involved in the mammoth 2.44 goals less. Maybe comparing him to Mo Salah is a bit bad, given the fixed disparity. So comparing to Kun Aguero, uh, he's had more pen box touches, which is pretty strange. Uh, he's had higher the rate of chances created. He's much more involved in terms of uh, balls receiving the opposition box. And he has a higher XG for shots on target than Kun Aguero. And his ownership is below 5%. As I mentioned, fixtures are a huge mitigating factor. But he's trusted by Guardiola, who has come out and said he's very happy with how he's operating. And he can obviously occupy that second striker role and was played up front a few times last season. Maybe he could be a good foil for Kunaguero, Nick, if you are getting rid of him. I mean, I'm seriously, after looking at all that, thinking, well, maybe Raz is a good idea. And maybe Raz could be a template buster that somebody like me at 500k or so needs. What do you think about Raheem Sterling? I think he's definitely an option. Obviously, last season he scored 18 goals, got 17 assists, ended up with 229 points, really massive return. Then over the course of summer, he didn't perform at all for England during the World Cup. And... And he started the season with ridiculously low ownership um, of only about 95,000 managers selecting him, which is is pretty crazy considering the returns that he delivered last season. But he, he is um, he is pretty expensive at 11.0. And like with other Manchester City players, he does he does miss the odd game. For instance, that Huddersfield at home game, he, he played, didn't play at all in that game. He's got zero minutes. There is that threat of Riyad Mahrez, who's sitting on the bench. However, Mahrez seems to be the number two at the moment, with sort of Sterling being uh, the number one. But yeah, I think definitely there is a case, you know, owning Sterling. He's, 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 ownership is so low now, still at 4.3%. But it's just, I don't know. I think he is very expensive at 11.0. The what? The player I'd really like to own uh, for Manchester City, who's still injured, is, is De Bruyne. Um, De Bruyne's now um, down to £9.7 million. And it's worth remembering that Sterling only actually outscored De Bruyne by 20 points last season. So when, when KDB's back, you, you have a really um, a much cheaper way into that Manchester City team. And, and he was the, the one player that seemed undroppable all season. I, I do want KDB, but he's not going to be back for, for a little while yet. So maybe... Maybe Sterling is an option, but I just can't see how I can fit him into my team. For me, personally, it, it requires too much um, shifting around. I still have to sell and downgrade Aguero to fund it, and, it's, and it feels a little bit sideways as well. Yeah, no, I understand that. But I think Kevin De Bruyne actually was going to be kind of my final point on Man City because if you do remove Kun this week for Kane, then Kevin De Bruyne is due back game week nine. He's back in training at the moment, apparently, and is making very good progress. Could be back game week nine, could be back game week 10. He could be the guy who you get in to have your Man City kind of representation in your team. If you are worried about the fact that Man City can always rotate um, if you worry about the fact that um, you know there are alternatives, you worry about the fact that um, you know Jesus is always lurking for the sorts of games like Burnley and Southampton. If Aguero, you know they've got a fantastic uh, journey off to Ukraine in between Burnley and Spurs. If you are worried about that, then Kevin De Bruyne could be a fantastic option. He's a lot more affordable at nine point seven, so that could be a really good way of doing it. So Nick, between uh, Aguero and Kane, it sounds like you're very much on the side of Harry Kane and very much on the side of just getting him in and just being done with it. I think that I'm probably going to join you. I just, it's a little bit irrational and it's like looking past the numbers. But for me, I miss the Aguero haul in game week two. I'm not sure my season can quite take missing another huge haul. My stats are a little bit unsure on whether Harry Kane is going to smash it against the newly promoted side, which is Cardiff. We're watching them on Sunday. That defensive display needs to come with quotation marks around the word display. Spurs do have the potential to absolutely carve them apart, and Kane does have the potential to score massively. I'm not sure I could deal with you know my mini leagues or OR people making off with 20, 30 points that I don't have. So it sounds like for both of us, we, we are looking at Harry Kane and thinking, yeah, he's, he's worth it we can stick him in for a long time and just just hope that it's going to work out because you have that option of having Kevin De Bruyne who can come in in the midfield at 9.7 perhaps to make it all kind of fit together should we take a break there Nick and then move on to the two midfielders yep sure who got the assist who got the assist 
Okay, so we're back and we're going to talk about the midfielders now after speaking about Kun and Kane. Mo Salah uh, is obviously one who's been getting a lot of a pro boom recently. Uh, people have been looking at him thinking, well, he's no longer my bag compared to last season where he was absolutely undroppable. And in terms of returns, Nick, and in terms of the stats, I mean, the stats that keep being wheeled out for being why we should keep hold of Mo Salah. But with withdrawal after 66 minutes, uh, him not returning at the rate which is commensurate with the price has made people think, well, why do I have this guy? Why have I spent this much money on him? Is he now expendable? There's now a very strong case that he is. Uh, what are your views on Mo Salah, Nick? He is the most expensive player in the game this season. He's, he's not $1 million, but he's, he's $12.9 million now. And, and he just hasn't looked his, his best this season. Obviously, last season was amazing. You know, the guy scored 32 goals, he got 12 assists, a mass and unfathomable 302 FPL points. There always was going to be a little bit of regression, but I think particularly in that Chelsea versus Liverpool game, when you compare him and Salah, um, when you compare Hazard and Salah, Hazard definitely came out on top. Salah was snatching his chances. His first shot was really weak, straight at the keeper. There was another one where he, he got into a goal-scoring opportunity and he just you know, sort of skied it. And then there was another where he, he sort of opted to pass it out onto the wing rather than taking the shot before sort of Klopp hauled him. And there was one he was unlucky with that Rudiger sort of saved on the line. But otherwise, you know, he, he, didn't, look, he didn't look at his best at all. And I know a lot of people on the back of that performance are selling him and he's actually the most sold player at the moment. But for me, I, I still have faith in Mo. I'm, I'm going to back him. Um, obviously, they've got another tough fixture up ahead. Big, uh, big game against Manchester City. But after that, in the next four, he faces three of the weakest defences. He, he plays Huddersfield, Cardiff and Fulham with Arsenal also sandwiched in between. And I think um, in those three games that I mentioned against Huddersfield, Cardiff and Fulham, he is the standout captain option for those game weeks. And um, if you don't own him and you don't own any other Liverpool attacking players, which um, unless you have Manny or Firmino is unlikely, then you'll be you'll be hi- you'll be hiding behind that sofa and you'll want to own him. So you could get away with not owning him against Manchester City, but after that, Huddersfield away, you you're gonna want to own Mo Salah and, and you're not gonna be able to watch that game if you don't own him. So I, I just I just can't see the case for selling him. If I was to sell him, it would have been last it would have been last game week. But but now um, I'm definitely going to keep him. The underlying stats as well definitely in his favour. Though his finishing, like I said, has been a little bit poor. He's getting into those positions, right positions. He's had 29 shots, which is seven more than any other midfielder. He's also had 20 inside the box, so these aren't actually just pot shots. He's had eight big chances in total, so he really should be putting more of these away. But the goals will definitely come with his rate of 20.1 minutes per chance. He's also creating chances, and whilst he's more known for his goals and assists, he's actually created 17 chances, which is um, the same amount as William, uh, two less than Gilfie Siggs and three less than David Silva, but it's the joint third highest for all midfielders. It's gotten to the state, hasn't it, that we're speaking about Mo, bloody Mo, just because like he's not returned what we expect him to return. There's been a lot of scrutiny correctly on him because of the price. Despite the stats being very good, the output hasn't been good. So I can completely see why people have removed him. And there's obviously a very good case a few weeks ago to remove Mo and game price rises elsewhere, then bring him in. If you're in the situation like we are with Mo Salah and with no Kane, I think that maybe this pushes us towards Kun as being the full guy, just because of how good those fixtures are and having that Huddersfield kind of Cardiff set up. Another thing to note is that their Champions League fixtures, normally described as being the uh, the, the harbinger of rotation, are, very, are actually very good for Liverpool after international break. So obviously they've got the game away at Napoli this week. But after international break, they have a, a doubleheader against Red Star. That Red Star game is at home between 9 and 10, uh, the Huddersfield and Cardiff game. So you can be fairly assured that maybe Mo, that Mo Salah is probably going to be okay for those games uh, in the Premier League. There is obviously a case to have Sadio Mane and, so, and have that 3 million, 2.9 million, whatever it is elsewhere. Uh, but as you say, he is the standout captain choice. And a lot of the time, this is all based on captaincy. Like uh, The reason why I'd be worried about moving Cunaguero is, is because of the Burnley game. But as we've said, there may be a chance that uh, Kevin De Bruyne may be in. 
I mean, I don't know whether Kevin De Bruyne would ever be actually a captain choice, but at least you kind of quote unquote cover off Man City for those games. And if there is rotation, maybe it'd be the case that you wouldn't want to trust your captaincy on one of those players. And you want to captain a player who is nailed on like Kane or like Mo Salah. And I think we can still say, despite the fact he was withdrawn on the 60th minute, that he is nailed on. And those two games, Huddersfield and Cardiff, are going to, you know, make people want him back again I think um, interestingly he is actually below uh, Sadio Mane now in terms of ownership so a Mane goal will impact your rank more than the Salah goal will. That's crazy actually yeah no it seems like the Salah ownership is, is dropping rapidly but I, I don't know I know you said earlier you like to live dangerously but I think if you are to sell Salah danger really has to be your middle name because for those Huddersfield games for that Cardiff game Unless able to predict the results and know that Salah's going to be blanking, you're going to be panicking and stressed that entire game and, you, and you're going to want to have him in your team. So maybe people are thinking about selling him and buying him back for the Huddersfield game and taking a hit. And if you are thinking about that, fair enough, but I'm sticking with him and I can't see the case for selling, to be honest. And line stats as well, like, like we quoted, are still in his favour. Yeah, I can completely understand why people are keeping him, but equally, I agree with you that coming up the time to sell him was a little while ago if he did that great if he didn't which a lot of people didn't including us then it's worth keeping hold so for me it looks like Kunaguero if I do bring Kane in is the man and it looks like Kunaguero is the odd man out because the final man we're going to speak about Eden Hazard uh, paradoxically we're dubbing him the invisible man not because he it should be ignored in FPL but because of the way he glides through defenses so we did that He's another one who's come on leaps and bounds. He is one who could well uh, do the Salah this year. Uh, comparing him to his first season under Conte in 2016-17 when he scored 16 goals and got nine assists, his best ever offensive returns, he again appears to have taken it to the next level. And I propose of nothing, let's just drop the troll stuff. You know, It's been annoying for both of us in the past, but you know, general, FPL Connect, they've all been compelled to buy now. Uh, so you can see how things have changed there. The heat map is great for Hazard. He's much more involved across the pitch now rather than solely on the left wing role that Conte seemed to shackle him to and he's uh, around that kind of time I compared him to the the first seven games of 2016-17 and now he's had a similar level of shots in the box and, cre- and uh, shot frequency but creatively he's really flourishing he's creating a chance every 35 minutes uh, versus every 49 minutes and creates four big chances and Chelsea looking better able to find him as well that's the Jorginho factor really isn't it uh, he's received more passing opposition half and at a higher rate than ever before so once every 1.2 minutes now he receives the ball in the opposition half I'm not saying Chelsea are quite degenerating into give it to Eden uh, but West Ham showed how you can stop Chelsea you know sitting on Jorginho sitting on Hazard and they don't really have a plan B at the moment he's second for the big chances created right now with four uh, Ryan Fraser is top he'd have uh, he had six uh, before Bournemouth Crystal Palace he's fifth for attempts Eden Hazard and fourth for shots in the box and he's got a 33.3 percent conversion rate at the moment this man's really on form uh, the fixtures to come are Southampton away he's got an international break then he's got United video turn at home uh, who as you uh, said uh, on the pod the other day sound like early 90s video game or something like that. yeah sound like an early 90s kind of uh, video games console doesn't it Burnley away a cup game Palace at home Bate Borisov at home Everton at home He's got a higher ownership than most Salah now. This is another thing which is worth mentioning. He's scarily close stats-wise to Salah uh, during game weeks 20 and 26 last season when he was absolutely mental, most Salah. It's just the goal attempts uh, frequency, which is a little bit lower for Eden Hazard. But it really feels like Eden Hazard is is the man to own at the moment. Um, And he's the man who, uh, you know, in terms of just general coverage you should have even if you're not captaining him how well do you think Eden Hazard is going to do this season Nick and uh, what are your views on Eden altogether I think Hazard is actually definitely looking essential after watching that Liverpool game I think he, he just looked brilliant in it I mean he blanked against West Ham and that was the week I brought him in I was thinking oh yeah he's that's it he's, he's gonna stop you know stop scoring now um, now I've brought him in but no he, he does look undroppable out of the four sort of premium options we quoted he is also the cheapest um, you mentioned some of the underlying stats with him. He's had 18 goal attempts, which is joint fifth highest, but he's he's maintained a really impressive shot accuracy of 50% compared to um, Salah's 37.1%. Um, and his goal conversion rates of 33.3% compared to Salah's 10.9%. I think, um, you know, he's like you said, he's creating chances as well, um, 15 so far this season. But I think 
Um, he's had six goals and two assists in the seven games. He just he just looks on fire. You know, he is their talisman in the team and he will play every league game with Chelsea being in the Europa League as well. There's less pressure on him to play those games so he can be rested in those games because they've got quite a big squad. Uh, but he is critical to Chelsea's success. He's on penalties. He's on corners. Um, and yeah, and he just... Just, you know, like he passes the eye test brilliantly. Harry, the manager, basically spoken up about him, saying he doesn't need to defend. He just needs to stay in the attacking half and try to score goals. And he has the potential to score up to 40 goals. And if that happens, that would be obviously amazing. But I think he, I think he is a must-own. Um, and, yeah, other managers agreeing as he seems to be attracting those owners. Um, he's, you know, he's had over 200,000 transfers in so far. Yeah, I'm not really surprised by that. At the value for money and with all of those factors in, in place and, and the fact that he is the talisman, anything they do, the expected goal involvement for Hazard is basically off the chart. If Chelsea score, he's the catalyst. He's likely to be the man to do it. The only kind of problem with that is if the opposition seems to stop Hazard, they stop Chelsea. And the fixtures are kind of merely okay rather than exemplary, as mentioned. But I don't think that matters too much for the price, for everything else. Uh, he's the man to get in. So final word on this then, Nick. I mean, obviously, this is invariably going to come from our own contexts. But Harry Kane looks like the man that we're going to be bringing in. It looks like Aguero is going to be the man who is dropped for Harry Kane. And it looks like we're kind of either looking at, well, I'm looking at um, trying to maybe fit in uh, Raheem Sterling. But at 9.7, Kevin De Bruyne, it looks like the person who's going to pick up the Manchester City slack for both of us. Is that correct? That seems to be uh, um, what we're saying. But I think... It is a risk going without Manchester City. So I really need to think about this because in order to fund the Aguero to K move, it looks like it's going to be also David Silva that leaves my team. And I did look at other options as to whether I could keep David Silva. Um, one idea that I was sort of contemplating was downgrading Robertson to Trent Alexander-Arnold. But apparently that leaves me 0.1 short still to do the Aguero to Kane swap. And with David Silva also being oh, rotated Kevin, Huh? Um, yeah, to do the Aguero to Kane swap, but with David David Silva also missing the odd game, he's missed two games so far this season, and his minutes being managed by Pep, as as was said in the preseason with KDB being back soon, he doesn't look like um, a reliable pick. There's other other ways of covering City if you are to sell Aguero, and another option would be perhaps Bernardo Silva. Um, your man from the preseason played every game so far this season, and he started five of the seven games. Um, scoring two goals and assists is another potential way of, of covering City. But yeah, it is tough because, like you said, you can't own all four. And if I do want to transfer in Kane, I'm going to have to make sacrifices by Sennington, it, it seems, because I don't want to sell Salah. Yeah, I think we've probably both agreed there uh, unsexily. Okay, uh, let's take a break though, Nick, and we move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're going to talk about our features now. This is our regular session where we catch up on the market forces, the zombies and the All England team. The All England team did very well this week. Uh, the first thing to talk about, of course, is the market forces. And Nick, you're the man across numbers, I say every week. Uh, what can you tell us about what's going on at the moment? We've talked about these players a little bit, so we'll, we'll gloss over them a little bit. But top of the index and the NTI uh, this game week is Hazard. We've over 200,000 transfers in. Obviously a very popular pick. On the back of that um, most recent performance against Liverpool, um, like you mentioned, Tom, the fixtures aren't too great for uh, for Chelsea. They've got Southampton away next, which is reasonable, but then they've got Manchester United after that. But I don't think anyone really cares. Hazard's proven himself to be the must-own player this season, even those that have been sort of trolled in the past and now succeeding that he is he's worth getting in um and it, and it is Salah actually that's being sold so Salah's had over 140,000 transfers out so far so you, you'd probably say that you know the vast majority of those transfers into Hazard are being funded by the sale of uh, Mo Salah which is, is very interesting as we said it's it's not something that me or you want to do we're not we're not going to look at selling Salah but I know a lot of our listeners will be thinking about selling him so, um, yeah, it's, it's a risk. I mean, it's OK for one game week, but after that, you, you probably want him back. The other guy being transferred in is Harry Kane. So he is the other one that's sort of like busting this template. You know, people are probably funding Kane by selling Salah as well, potentially. 
or selling them the likes of Lukaku, who's had 50,000 transfers out, or Bamiyang, perhaps, who's had 37,000 transfers out. But Kane's had over 110,000 transfers in so far. On the back of that performance against Huddersfield and with Cardiff at home, he looks like a really good captaincy option for this game week. would probably so. advise caution with Kane. I can see why a lot of people maybe were going to be priced out if they didn't do the move they wanted to do. But against Barcelona, obviously, there is a, a you know one misplaced lunge by Sergio Busquets or something like that. And suddenly you've buggered yourself by making those transfers. So, yeah, I, I see people have done it. He's obviously had the price rise now, uh, but it's been a little bit worrying. I mean, another manager of the price rise this week is uh, James Madison, who's been brought in by almost 120,000 people now um, of a Leicester man. Uh, is looking like the guy that we're both overlooking right now. <laughs> Equally has a lot of coverage elsewhere and seems to be ticking over very, very well. Uh, so he might be one. I mean, I've got Richarlison, um, but he may be one who I eventually do look to move in. It just depends if, uh, if the Brazilian uh, misfire it can actually get one in uh, in time soon uh, beneath that you've got uh, your man Trippier Nick being brought in by almost 90,000 people now and that's being financed by the enduring sales of Benjamin Mendy uh, Pep Guardiola said he may be back for Liverpool uh, but it's a hundred uh, over 110,000 people have sold Ben Mendy now and it looks like they're kind of uniformly uh, going to Trippier or maybe Doherty who's had a, over 60,000 transfers in right now yeah, I think um, the sale of Benjamin Mendy makes sense. Uh, I think a few people were hanging on to him, obviously, at a great start of the season. But um, he's, he's still injured and there's a lot of talk about these discipline issues that he's had off the pitch. Obviously, he's been in the news. There's a, there's a lot of um, issues going on, clearly, inside the club. And Pep's um, spoken about them a little bit um, in regards to Mendy. And, um, yeah, definitely time to sell if you own him. And, yeah... Trippier seems to be the one being brought in um, with over uh, 90,000 transfers in, as you mentioned, Tom. But I think we talk about this sort of every, every so often about like these early transfers. And it just seems seems so mad just to do it this early. I mean, obviously, it's nice to catch those price rises. But with those Champions League fixtures, you know, there is the risk of injury. And you could you could be forced to do a minus four, minus eight. You know, you're breaking the Austin rule by making these early transfers. I, we always suggest, especially with these weeks with it, the top teams are playing with the Champions League to have a little bit of patience. Um, um, as a Trippier owner, you know, I was thrilled to bits with his returns in the last game week and, and it's worked out quite well in terms of the Aurea rotation because um, Trippier, Trippier was rested for the last Champions League fixture and he was also rested for the League Cup. Um, and But the thing is, you, you, he's, he's going to be playing that Barcelona team because Pock's going to want to play his best 11 and Trippier is in that best 11. But so there is that risk, I guess, that he might be um, rested for the Cardiff game, which um, hopefully he won't be because Aurea is also nursing a thigh injury. So um, and then it's an international break. So I'm hopeful that Trippier will play those both those games. But the problem with the Spurs fullbacks, Trippier, Rose, and and you know formerly the number one pick Ben Davis, is that Pop likes to rotate those fullbacks. Yeah, absolutely. And the Marco Arnautovic went down 6.9. It now looks like he's going to go back up to 7.0, which is a little bit annoying because I initially kind of wanted to get him in, but I don't think I'm going to quite be able to do it now. Approaching 100,000 transfers in after the, the uh, adding the third goal and playing for injury seemingly. Uh, looks very, very good if you watch him play as well. Leads the line really, really well as uh, Usley TC Tom Campbell also highlighted in his match that they highlights this week. Yeah, and I guess the, the final one to mention um, is uh, David De Gea, who um, who's appeared on our NTI tool because he's had over 38,000 transfer outs uh, so far this, this game week. And uh, that's no surprise that, that 5.9 million pounds is far too expensive considering uh, Manchester United's lack of clean sheets. Incidentally, Tom, you, you'll be interested to know that there's, there's only a few teams that have actually uh, scored less uh, goalkeeping points than Manchester United. And those are, those are Leicester, Everton, Watford, Bournemouth and Brighton, but uh, De Gea is 14th in terms of um, sort of goalkeeping returns at club level. So yeah, that's that's pretty damn poor to be honest. Considering you were wise to get rid of um, him for Edison, who's who's top in terms of goalkeeping points currently. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've always you always need to adapt to the times, don't you? I mean, obviously, I was very pro having De Gea very early on, uh, but Man United's implosion and Man City seemingly able to keep clean sheets means that Edison is pretty decent. I've made a 0.1 Edison somehow as well. He looks like the only kind of nailed Man City player as well with Bravo's injury. So, yeah, worth owning. 
Right, uh, let's move on to the zombies then, Nick. And it's an interesting week for for many people. Not so interesting for me and my zombie team uh, because it did put the captaincy on Aubameyang. Fortunately, hasn't done very well. Uh, I think I'm on 27 points for the game week, Nick. It's, it's, not, it's not particularly great, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not sure my zombies are going to do very well this year. Uh, however, I think that you've done a little bit better this week. I have done a little bit better, but I was going to say it has been a poor week for my zombies, but not as poor as that. I mean, my zombies scored 45 points. Um, they're starting to suffer a little bit in terms of injuries. And with uh, Mendy being out, um, Vitonian, unfortunately, was hooked early. He only got one point and the Salah captaincy didn't pay off. But they do have Kane and Anatovic um, leading the line. Kane got 13 points and and now Twitch got seven. So, you know, um, not a great week for my zombie. Looking at the league, uh, top of the league at the moment is Navin uh, Sapkota at Blue Carefree. He scored 45 points this game week. Um, he's actually got a few injuries as well. He's got Ericsson injured and Mendy injured as well. But he captained Hazards, which was a great pick. Um, he got him 20 points. Um, and then he also had Aguero and Altovic sort of being the key sort of returners and uh yeah down for him to 38k in the world but good to see um some of our zombies still performing at high level and in the top 100k yep and uh, behind navin you've got joe de salvo a muffin top zombie which i can't say about smiling um he has a harry kane captain 26 points he's got 78 points this week with a uh, body coming off the bench for the Bruyne, uh, ings coming off the bench for mendy and uh, he also has a uh, joe goodmanson with 13 points which is a really, really good pick uh, Rob May, Zombie Mango, he's got 70 points this week. Kuniguero, Captain Arnautovic, and Sigurdsson in that team, which is uh, another uh, another forgotten asset. In fourth, FPL Connor has uh, has our captain again. Also has Arnautovic leading the line. Has Mesa Utsil and Harry Maguire. 18 Hello. points, Harry Maguire, this week. And uh, in fifth this week is MP, the Zombie 11. He's gone down to fifth with just 40 points. No Ben Mendy. Uh, he's been replaced by Wan Bissaka's given one point, And he had most of our captains, only just the four. The final thing this week in the features is obviously the All England 11. And the All England 11 did very, very well this week. Uh, they had Harry Kane captain, which has obviously set the tone very, very nicely. They also had quite a few points from the likes of Raheem Sterling with a 14, who was the vice captain, uh, Jamie Vardy, Madison, Kieran Trippier, uh, who was brought in, Carl Walker, Ryan Bennett, Jordan Pickford, all return points to leave them with 88 points. They're up to uh, six, uh, 600k, which is. Uh, scarily close to me which i don't really like very much but equally i seem to have turned into the Dostoevsky novel novel of this podcast so who who would know who cares I, i'm i'm guessing they're going to overtake me eventually um but yeah they're looking very very strong all of a sudden i guess uh the final the actual lesson of this is that no matter how bad your rank is they were 1.6 million before this week like no matter how bad your rank is if you have one good week suddenly you're back in the reckoning and i think that maybe we can all take a little bit of encouragement from that Okay, let's take a break there, Nick, and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. Um, if you haven't joined the league, the code is 516-441. So top of the league, still updating, but it looks like it's Richard Nykvist with Love Street FC. He scored 71 points, so another decent return. Like me, he's got the Wolves double up in defence, so 22 points from Doherty and Patricio. Um, which is pretty key to success this game week. Um, also in Hazard, uh, Madison and Altovic and Aguero um, making up most of his points. So, yeah, great week for Richard. He's still absolutely smashing it. So, yeah, great stuff. He's around sort of 12th in the world, apparently. No, that might be updated. As I said, the league's still um, updating. But, yeah, really, really high. Uh, but on his tail, there are a few people. Um, Ashley Humphrey also had a great week with um, 70 points. And is only about three points behind Richard. So there's a challenge in there. Also had Patricio in goal. Hazard with 10 points. Guerrero, captain. Um, Lacazette and Madison. And Kieran Trippier with the 11-pointer. So, yeah, a great week for uh, Ashley as well, who's um, currently ranked at 21st. Still making up the top five at the moment in time. We've got Andrew McKinnon still challenging as well with being on Altovic. He's on. He got 69 points. Also went for the Wolves double up, which seems to be a popular pick now um, with those Wolves defenders. And um, Madison has a, the usual suspects, it seems. Aguero, 16 points. Got a, five, uh, got a return from Wilson as well this uh, this game week. Um, and also um, sort of Morton, Tigan, Lego Mane and friends also doing really well. 78 points for him. 
Patricio, Doherty, Trippier, Hazard, Madison, Aguero. <laughs> These teams are all looking quite similar now. And uh, Matt, the last one probably worth mentioning is Matt Frisky as well. We've got 73 points. Um, he had Edison in goal. Um, he, also, he also had Doherty and Trippier and Hazard and Aguero and uh, Zaha and Madison. So, um, yeah, well done, guys. Yeah, very well done. Looking very uh, competitive at the very top. A couple of things to just catch you up on before we move on to the questions. The first thing is the FPL London Christmas Meetup. So we and Peter Blake, Math Safe FPL, cordially invite you to this year's Christmas drinks on Friday the 14th of December, uh, 7pm at the Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill. We're going to try to do this every year that we're running. And when we're not running, we're still going to try to go or set it up anyway. Uh, but please let us know. Our email address is obviously who got this at gmail.com or let me know on Twitter if you can go. It looks like a really good night and we've got quite a lot of confirms now already. And me and Nick are uh, very keen to meet anybody and everybody who uh, loves FPL and wants to talk about FPL. And the second, they're always shooting. Two of our idols, Josh and Brandon, are in London Friday and Saturday this week as well. Really looking forward to meeting them. And uh, there's a drinks on Saturday night in Camden in the Edinburgh Castle. Um, obviously, uh, they'll be publicising that as well. Let's move on to the questions of Nick, and we've got a few to get through this week. The first one is boring, boring captain. Uh, so Legomane, Dan, uh, this is a question from last week, but it kind of makes sense now too. He asked, has captaincy gotten too predictable and uninteresting? This is because we seem to be kind of moving towards defensive captaincies now rather than uh, uh, sword captaincies like we did in the past. I mean, I mentioned previously that I hadn't actually had a captain haul so far this this season, as in a double figure return. But I also haven't had a captain blank, so it's it's been it's been quite drab really to see that sort of six, seven, eight, nine points return from my captaincy game week in, game week out, and it's always been Salah or Guerrero, and there's there's not been too much excitement generated from the captaincy so far this season, but I think I think it's going to get a little bit more exciting in the next few game weeks, I think, especially next week, with Liverpool playing Manchester City, that rules out Salah versus Kuhn. This means that people are going to have to start differentiating with their captains, the likes of Hazard, whether we're brave enough to captain him, or the likes of Harry Kane, whether we are brave enough to transfer him in and captain him as well because we've seen from Kane he is one of those players that seems to blank or hold and there's never really an in-between with Kane. I think that's going to make it a little bit more exciting. I think obviously the week where Aguero got his hat-trick against Huddersfield and those that didn't captain nor own him really suffered was probably the only sort of exciting moment so far this season in terms of captaincy picks. It has been boring, hasn't been very interesting, but I think um, I think next, next game we, we might start to see a little bit more excitement in terms of uh, picking our captains. Yeah, I think so. And I think as these, as as kind of the established template does start to fragment, as people do start to move out, especially of the Man City grip. I mean, those fixtures that we had that they had were absolutely ridiculous. And Aguero was obviously the go-to captain most weeks. Now we're going to see a bit more variety, as you say, and I think it will get a little more interesting, hopefully going forward. But uh, you know, overall, I think a lot of people are now looking at captaincy and thinking, well, that's actually quite a defensive thing. I'm going to do, you know, just go with a safe pick there and hope my differentials are what makes the difference. If you do go for, a, you know, a captain does pay off, then that is amazing. It's just whether you can deal with the fact that you've got a blank. You know, if you have a situation like me where you captain Sanchez last season and you see Mo Salah race away of 20 points for his captains and you get 10, um, then I think you're going to very quickly think, well, I'm going to go back to being to save captaincy. It's such a big risk and it's such a big part of FPL point scoring. Like I can see why people have just gone for the herd on those things and gone for the uh, gone for the captaincy polls. But yeah, it's it's uh, hopefully going to change, as you say, as the kind of the zeitgeist shifts. Uh, next question is about Man City. Uh, Hescabo and Orion ask about City assets. So Orion still has Mendy and asks who replace him with. And Hescabo asks, related to that, uh, should we be considering Leroy Sane now? That's an interesting question. I mean, with Mendy, we've talked a, bit, a little bit about defenders. I think Kieran Trippier was uh, was my sort of replacement. And he, he's been very effective in terms of um, attacking returns this season. I think he's definitely an, an option for managers Um but I think, you know, they just played Brighton and Huddersfield, so it would have been worth doing that move perhaps two two game weeks ago. They've got Cardiff and West Ham, so there's potential for more clean sheets. But with those tough sort of Champions League fixtures and, and uh, Sergio Aurea potentially rotating with Trippier, um, there is a little bit of risk um, in terms of owning him. It's obviously, if you don't own a Liverpool defender, and presumably you don't, you do. There's always uh, Robertson or TAA as a, another pick. 
or you or you can stick within the club walker's a little bit more expensive at 6.6 but there's also um a laporte who, who's turning out to be quite a decent um option he's played every minute so far this season and he's he's got 36 points uh, manchester city have actually managed four clean sheets and he also managed to score in, in the wolves game so he's um he's definitely another option and at only 5.7 i think the other option finally to mention is his doherty um saves you a fair bit of money he's looked really dangerous for wolves who have been very attacking Incident, incidentally doherty's actually now had more penalty box touches than alonso so far this season with 22 Great, that segues us on very nicely to the next question, which is Alex Ball, who asks us, uh, with the depreciation in Alonso's stats, could we ever be looking at removing Alonso and moving that money forward? I mean, he, he's reached that level, hasn't he, at the moment, where you've got a decent amount of profit on him if you bought him in earlier on. Uh, for example, I've got... Uh, a, a sell price of 6.7 on Alonso, who's now uh, up to 6.9. Uh, worryingly, he's owned by 45.5%. So if you sell him on and he does do something, that's a bit of a rank killer. And after game week, I mean, they've got Southampton Nets and they've got my nice after international break. But game weeks 10, 11 and 12, they've got Burnley, Crystal Palace and Everton. And those latter two fixtures are at home. And my worry would be with Alonso that the stats always show that he is in the right positions to get those uh, to get points, whether it is assist Lonzo or goal Lonzo. And I just don't know whether I'd be able to quite drain the resources from him uh, to make other things work. So at the moment, I I just kind of feel like selling Alonso is a bit of an unnecessary risk, and having him in Hazard just seems to be a bit of a hygiene factor at the moment, frankly. Uh, as in, if you don't own them, as I've just mentioned, if they do do something, your rank is really going to suffer unless the likes of you know Doherty or uh, uh, I don't know or Trippier or someone else that you perhaps own picks up the slack. Uh, what do you think of Alonso, Nick? I obviously own Alonso. I don't know if I'd say he's essential at the moment, especially if you own Hazard as well. Perhaps the double up at Chelsea is not essential. You could get away with only owning one of those two players. However, for me, he, he remains the, the best pre- of the premium options in defence and I'm not going to be selling him. I mean, he, he managed sort of five assists and one goal in the first four games of the season. He was never going to sustain that sort of level of attacking output over the course of the season. And he's had sort of three games where he hasn't had hasn't registered attacking returns. So he still got a clean sheet against West Ham. So he did get some form of return. But with Alonso, you get that goal threat that you just don't get with other defenders. Last season, he scored uh, seven goals in total with two assists. Season before that, he got six goals and five assists. And this season, obviously, in the last few games, he's perhaps not been as attacking as you would like him to be but he just did he did just play a really tough game against Liverpool where he had to do a lot of defending but um, in terms of goal attempts he, he has had 14 uh, which is more than any other defender I just mentioned Doherty who's second with 11 and Doherty has had more penalty box touches but Alonso is just 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 offers that danger that you just don't see with other defenders generally he's had two big chances he's had seven shots inside the box He's constantly getting into the box. Like I said, his penalty, in terms of penalty boxes, touches, he's had 19, which is slightly less than um, even the likes of Sean Morrison at Cardiff, apparently. But still, he, he's the most prolific defender that we've got in the game. And he, and Chelsea will get lots of clean sheets as well. So even if he doesn't score or get an assist, there is that likelihood of a clean sheet and some form of return. So, yeah, he, he stays for me. Yeah, that's the keeper. That's the keeper because, like, you know, at, even at the very end of the last game against Liverpool, he could have scored and we certainly wouldn't, this whole argument or this whole discussion would be completely moved. I don't really see that really happening for me. Uh, although, you know, you could you could look at it and think, well, I, I can make some money there. I'm just not sure I could quite do it. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm probably not going to be getting rid of Alonso in time soon. Uh, the next question is from uh, Richard Nyquist, the FPL Kungen, and he asks if it's worth having a Liverpool double up at the back going forward and Rock Turboman also asks if we can get away with no Liverpool attack. Quite an interesting question. Um, and obviously, we've just spoken about the fact that most likely is not leaving our teams and those amazing fixtures to come. But that double Liverpool at the back, so having TAA, having Robertson, and maybe having uh, having Salah or Mane as your kind of midfielder is actually fairly interesting, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, for sure. I think there is there is the possibility of um, owning two Liverpool defenders. I think Robertson's the premium one at six point three, but. 
there is an argument that TAA as sort of a, as a mini me, as a mini Robertson, is is another really good option in in defence. He only costs five point one, so that's that's actually a, a really a really good bargain to, to own a, um, at a top four club who's uh, only costing you five point one, and is also on free kicks and can shoot a really mean free kick. I think. He he is a really good option, and if you are taking that risk of um, sort of going without the Liverpool attack, which is a little bit dangerous, then the perfect way of covering that perhaps would be to own two Liverpool defenders and to own Robertson and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, exactly. And those uh, fixtures, the immediate fixtures after national break, obviously lend themselves to that. So you've got Huddersfield and then you've got Cardiff, both of which uh, seem to promise six pointers. So, you know, feasibly 12 points and feasibly it could be Doherty and Patricio to the max. I could see you could do it if, if you want to, if you've got that kind of uh, that flexibility to do it. I, I really wouldn't have any problem with that, especially at 5.1, I think it is, wherever his TA is now. I think that's great value for, for what he offers at that price. Okay, Nick, let's move on to the transfers and captains. Well, it's probably a bit of a moot point because we don't really know yet. We've got to wait until the uh, Barcelona game comes to, it comes to its end. Um, but I'm guessing if we both bring in Harry Kane, we're going to captain him and both of our transfers, therefore, are going to be uh, Harry Kane in. Uh, for me, if I do do it, I'll be removing uh, Theo Walcott and bringing in uh, Anthony Knockett for Bryson's amazing run of fixtures. Who are you going to be selling David Silver for if you uh, are using that as your finance for Kane? So there's a few options. I still haven't sort of picked the, the best of the bunch. The one I'm thinking about, there is Madison. He seems very much the sort of the template pick, the template option. But I just I just don't know if I'm, I'm going to go for him. I'm actually thinking about perhaps... Um, uh, opting for Roberto Pereira at Watford. Um, uh, so Watford have had a little bit of a tough run of fixtures, so he's he's gone a little bit quiet um, in terms of his attacking output. He's actually blanked the last four games, which is, isn't great for a player when you're thinking about bringing him in. But um, Watford's fixtures in the, from game week eight to game week twelve are really tasty. They got Bournemouth at home, then Wolves, then Huddersfield, then Newcastle, Southampton. So I'm quite interested in covering them. And at six point. Um, 6.2 is, is a bargain, I think, and uh, frees up a little bit more cash as well for me to spend elsewhere if I want to at some point. Okay, uh, there's a theme every week. Last week it was Hanna Barbara cartoons. Uh, FPL Haiku kind of got there, but I gave him a little bit of help. So I think it's kind of shared with him and the brilliantly named General Zod, who got there with no help at all. Uh, there's a theme this week, obviously. Um, we've thrown you a few bones, so hopefully you can get there. Just to say who we are again, we are Who Got The Assist. So you can find us online at whogotassist.com and find us on Twitter at WTA underscore FPL. Yeah, and if you want to join our league, the league code is 516-441. And we will see you in game week eight. It'll be our 50th pod. So we'll maybe looking at doing something a little bit different for that. Maybe we might do a live pod. We're not too sure yet whether we can uh, stop Nick swearing enough to, to be able to go online for long enough. Uh, but we're seriously thinking about it. So we'll make an announcement on that in due course. But in the meantime, we hope this assisted you going forward. And good luck with whoever you do choose from the Fantastic Four to bring in. And let's speak to you then. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.